Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. If you're a sports fan, then you're well aware of the emotions that any sport and its games and its teams can carry. Between the highs and the lows, the losses and the wins, the roar of the crowd and the voice of the fan is the constant that ultimately drives a team and its mission forward. But how do you harness that voice and that emotion in an optimal way? Well, if you're in the sports world or just a sports fan, and you're interested in the world of how it's marketed out in content to the broader world, then you're really gonna love who we have on the show today. Coming off an already highly impressive regular season, the Boston Red Sox very recently marched their way through the playoffs and claimed a World Series title over the Los Angeles Dodgers. Their dominant performance was anchored by, and perhaps a cause of, the dominant presence of their fans all over the world. Boston Red Sox fans are some of the strongest fans in all of sports, and I say that, albeit a little begrudgingly, as a Baltimore Orioles fan, who has the pleasure of hosting the Boston Red Sox several times a year, and in the case of this season, we lost a lot. But there's one thing that we cannot deny. Those fans are some of the strongest in the league and the strongest in any sport. So I was so grateful to be able to sit down with their chief marketing officer for today's podcast, Adam Grossman, who has been with the franchise since the early 2000s, save for a brief stint between 2009 and 2012 with the Miami Dolphins, was kind enough to chat with me for a few minutes during his team's most recent postseason run, actually during the ALCS series with the Houston Astros not too long ago. We had a great conversation, which I'm happy to play for you now, which goes over how one of the biggest sports franchises and one of the biggest sports brands in the world optimally harnesses the emotion and voices of its fans to further its message and to further its ball club. Specifically, there are a number of takeaways I'd like you to pay attention to as you listen through this interview. The first is all about building something which is inherently shareable. You'll hear him talk about beards and outfield dances and win walls, but at the end of the day, it boils down to one central subject. How do you build an inherently shareable product, and how do you optimally invest in an inherently shareable fan experience? This is something which we'll cover in more depth in a future episode, but wanted you to bookmark it and listen to how Adam approaches the subject. And secondly, the balance in the voice of that fan between that which is positive and that which is polarizing. Pay particular attention to his thoughts on not being in the business of control, but rather using that user-generated content as a complement to the professionally produced content on the field. Again, another future topic we'll tackle outside of this interview, but something to keep aware of during it. But overall, I think you're really going to like his message. I did, and even as a rival baseball team fan, I could see that when it comes to running a business and delivering content on the fans' terms, Adam knows his stuff. Not a bad first name either. In any case, without further ado, here is my conversation with the chief marketing officer of the newly crowned World Series champion Boston Red Sox, Adam Grossman. All right, we have today Adam Grossman, CMO of the Boston Red Sox, joining us today. Adam, thanks so much for for taking time out of a, a rather busy and exciting schedule right now to uh, to chat with us. 
Yeah, it's my, it's my pleasure. It's better to be busy this time of year than than looking ahead to next year. So we'll no, no complaints from from Fenway. Of course, of course, and uh, and what a way to uh, to start the start the Monday off with a great win last night, tying up the series. Now, as you head down to Houston, uh, how do you how do you think the team will will continue the momentum going forward and moving away from home turf? Yeah, I mean we're we're hopeful, and obviously getting yesterday's game uh, and and win was was huge uh you know they've got an incredible team and uh the atmosphere in houston is um is is incredibly intense and loud and uh you know and i know our our guys will be be ready for it but you know it's um you've got i think i read a stat that this is um sort of the two winningest teams since the i think yankees and and the Padres met in the World Series in 1998, so the combination of wins is, uh, is pretty extraordinary. So you're going to have some some heavyweight battles, and and for for all you know, Red Sox fans and Astros fans, it's going to be you know you sort of watching the fetal position because it's just it's so it's it's nerve wracking. But it's been a it's been a great series, and and it's been a great October thus far. And, and so hopefully we can come back and um, you know get a, get a couple wins there and, and see how things play out for the rest of the series. And of course, we're all we're all hopeful for you there here. Now, uh, I'll hold no bad blood as being born and raised in Baltimore. I have watched the Red Sox trounce the Orioles again and again and again. But for the purposes of this conversation, we're going to say, let's keep going, move through Houston and get all the way to the series. How's that sound? All right. That sounds good. So let's just talk about uh, having that vocal fan base, as, as you mentioned. I mean, obviously, you, you know that going down to Houston, especially this time of year, you've got an excellent ball club down there. But but Boston fans are, are known around the world. And, and I think you help a great deal in, in letting people know that, you know, Boston has some of the best fans in baseball. And I would say with with any sport that comes to Boston, Boston fans are typically extremely vocal. You know, having them at this time of year, especially, uh, you know, having that vocal fan base and the positive buzz. I mean, what does that what does that do to to the folks in the clubhouse when when just moving day to day? And yeah, you know, maybe you have to reset after a loss, but after a win, I'm sure it's a big jump. But how important is it to have those fans be as absolutely vocal as they can be at this time of year? It's 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 incredibly important. I mean, I think the in creating a, a unique and and difficult atmosphere for opposing teams is certainly important. Fenway has its own mystique and and. You know, I think the fan base here, people know again not a, not only our players but also you know, visiting players. I mean, they you know they know kind of what they're in for when, when they come here, um, and we're really fortunate. I think the combination of having a long-standing historical organization and franchise you know, coupled with an iconic uh, ballpark, and then um, you know just a really focused and informed and dedicated fan base is an incredible um, combination of factors. And that's sort of what makes the Red Sox and kind of the the whole sort of dynamic around Red Sox nation, um, a a really unique fit here for New England and, and across the globe. I can agree. I've definitely I've, I've I've been to Fenway for two games. I'll say I, I so I went to school in Boston and it was was fortunate enough to have tickets to a couple games. Sat on the monster for one. Sat behind the home uh, dugout for the other. Just an amazing atmosphere. And you know, especially considering all of the amazing enhancements made to the fan experience at Fenway over the last couple of years, it's easy to see you know wh- how 
it is easy to harness that 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 emotion. And surely I'm sure that's felt throughout throughout the team, throughout fans of experience and, and throughout the rest of of the U.S. as they watch the series in the world, as they just experience, you know, the, the joy and magic of baseball. Um, well, if you don't mind, I'd love to ask a, a couple of questions surrounding sort of a, a emotion of fans and and the and the content specifically that that they put out there, um, and and how you're able to take advantage of that as at the helm of the marketing team, both from a from a positive emotion side, from potentially emotion that's polarizing, and then finding the balance as, as you continue to to deliver a great message that hey, you know, Boston baseball is the best experience in the MLB, and this is where you got to support. Um, so I, I'm curious because, you know, you have done some amazing things, especially recently, especially this month. I wanted to bring up one of the most recent uh, campaigns, it looks like, that you have put out by uh, what's being called a Wallscape campaign that you had for a number of days where top Boston Red Sox moments from the season are being showcased across the city. And, uh, you know, it's definitely a great a great way to to remind fans of the greatness that has happened and the greatness that has yet to come. Uh, but I was curious with with experience like this, you know, how does that really enhance the excitement in fans with with an eye, especially on the on the great content I'm sure you see posted online and and amplified everywhere uh, surrounding it. What we try to do each year in in our own way is we sort of we get ready for the postseason. Is you know we'll sit down kind of halfway through the season, and, and obviously we we got off to a really fast start here. Um, this this year and and we sort of take temperatures along the way and say all right you know how's how's the season looking and and um, you know it felt like we were going to be in the postseason uh, in some capacity and then obviously we, you know in August we kind of pulled away and um, we wanted one of the advantages this year was because we looked like we were going to have the best record and we kind of knew when our home games would be we were able to plan uh, accordingly and, and get time to plan, which is rare, you know, for us um, and for all sports teams, you just never know what's going to happen from day to day or from series to series. And so um, the ability to have, you know, to, to work for a team that, that won 108 games this year. And then, um, you know, and also to just be able to said, to, to plan the postseason is something that was a, uh, was a bit of a gift this year. Um, and, but what we would try to do, you know, like in 2013, you know, these guys started, you know, our players started growing beards and we tried to capitalize off of that in the last couple of years, you know, the, you know, we had, um, the outfield dance is sort of a kind of a focal point, sort of our wind dance repeat, um, elements. And, and now, you know, we, with, with what has gone on this year, one of the big sort of themes, uh, that Alex Cora brought in from literally the first day, um, down in, at JetBlue Park in, in Fort Myers was sort of this, um, kind of this, this element of, of, of family. And instead of, you know, it used to be where our managers and the manager's office used to be uh, on the, on the wall, sort of, uh, um, there were pictures of each of the man, the predecessors of, of managers, you know, over the last hundred years. Um, and, and Cora this year decided to take that down and, and put up a, uh, a photo for each win, that the team had, um, and uh, and that started with a photo after his first speech um, 
in Fort Myers. So they, you know, he addressed the team opening speech and said, you know, this is a, a journey and we want everyone to take a, a picture together uh, in hopes that, you know, we'll be carrying a, a World Series trophy, you know, eight months later. And um, and so it started with a photo in that speech in spring training and then, you know, started adding these photos to the walls after each win. And, you know, obviously with a historic 108-win season, there, there are a lot of photos to put up there. So our team talked a lot about kind of what we could do to capitalize on that. And, um, you know, and one of the things was uh, we've got an incredible, uh, I would say, I'm you know, really fortunate to, to have such an incredible team. And, you know, Tim Heinzelman's our head of content and, and Billy Weiss is our photographer and Marissa McLean and Colin Birch and Kelsey Doherty, um, sort of the, the core team of, on the content side. And, you know, we sort of had this idea of, um, you know, how we can we make the Red Sox kind of bigger than life and, and uh, through uh, a friend, uh, a guy named Eric Jacobs, who has done a lot of image projections, including a, uh, a unique um, uh, he did a, a unique image projection. Um, it's about a year or two ago. It was called Stand with Stands with Immigrants, and he called us and said, "You know, we, I want to project Ortiz's face all across uh, Fenway Park." And we saw, we saw that. I said, "You know, this is pretty cool." And so we called Eric as we were kind of ramping up to the postseason. Said, "You know, we want to make sure that." Um, that we're doing something that's a little bit unexpected, that's a little bit different than what we've done before. We kind of use the landscape of Boston as the backdrop for um, for these these you know these wind walls, so to speak. And it's been it was really cool, especially for for social content. Um, you know, to be able to to see you know, our guys and you know forty fifty feet projected on buildings or trees in the in the common and um, you know and also on Fenway and it's in lower mills and, uh, you know, sort of these factories around, um, you know, Boston, which was really cool and something that we're, we're really proud of. And I think kind of got, um, our fans a little bit juiced and a little bit, you know, getting going for, for, you know, what we hope will be a, an extended October. And that, that, that's a great story and bringing together those, those experiences and especially those really powerful moments can make for some equally very powerful, you know, social media experiences, certainly experiences which are shareable because at the end of the day, you want to have a great product on the field and you want to make sure that, you know, in building that, and I'm going to bring up a quote you mentioned a, a few years back here, but the connective tissue between players and the fans uh, makes for an incredibly shareable experience there as well. And I bring up that quote because, you know, that's something that uh, you had mentioned in an interview in 2015. And, you know, over time, especially over the last three years, I know that there have been a number of digital enhancements in Fenway. There have been a number of experiences like the ones that you've just described. When you look to uh, to either make investments or, or activate like campaigns around that, um, how is that sentiment of connected tissue between fans and players, but uh, also prioritizing something which is shareable, which will create that buzz and that that feeling of making the socks sort of larger than itself. Um, how is that strengthened with time? And like, as you think about these really powerful experiences, how do you measure how shareable they they can be? Well, it's funny because we've been, you know, as, as the as social has has blown up and um, and uh, and as we've been sort of doing more and more in the content space there's obviously more tools out there to uh 
you know, to expand and sort of connect fans to our players, to our games at Fenway. Um, and, uh, and, but what we're trying to do now is, um, is trying to figure out sort of, you know, how can we, we, we don't feel like we have to choose between great physical experiences and great and digital experiences. And so sort of what's cool, uh, you know, in a physical way, we hope, and, and we sort of have an eye towards, uh, how that could be cool, you know, in, in, in a digital way as well. And so we think of things that we say, make, what would be a great experience? Um, you know, that could be, um, uh, a, um, yeah, like the last couple of years, um, uh, when we had a virtual reality, um, we've created two VR experiences in, in Fenway. One is a, a dugout that's sort of a replica dugout. And, and, you know, there's some virtual reality content that we shoot throughout the year that kind of gives fans, especially kids, a little bit of an insight into kind of what it feels like to, um, you know, to, to, to be, playing for the Red Sox or be at spring training or, you know, to be in our clubhouse. And then we also built this virtual reality batting cage, which is sort of like, it's almost like a, you know, you're in also a video game, but you're on Fenway park and you're taking BP. Um, you know, those are all experiences that we think our fans would love, but obviously with the capabilities and the, the tools and technology that are out there today, um, you know, we're able to sort of bring those experiences to life. So at, at the core, I think what we've seen over the last, 15 years you know i started here in 2002 and you know what we always talk about what would be amazing for fans what would be memorable for our fans to bring home with them or that they couldn't forget and i think the principles of those have really stayed the same you know it's like how do you give them great access how do you give people you know service in the ballpark that is second to none how do you make them feel like they're part of the family um and so the, the core principles are the same, but obviously the tools that uh, are out there and that we're capable of using now have changed dramatically. And I think that's sort of what we're trying to, see, you know, like something like the wind wall to say, hey, this is a really cool thing for people that are walking in the common, but it's also being able to translate that into, you know, in, into a video that will reach, you know, three to five million people, like, you know, that's that's amazing. I mean, even some things as small. A couple of years ago, uh, we started with these social media vending machines um, because you know people love free stuff. They love free Red Sox stuff, and you know we have a vending machine where you know you tweet at the vending machine and, and a prize will drop down. It could be tickets, it could be a bobblehead, whatever it may be. But there's also a social and digital interaction with that, in addition to some like a payoff of you know I get to you know, I get two monster tickets or an upgrade that day. So the, the core principles are the same, but obviously said that the tools have changed dramatically. And uh, the tools have, have, I think, improved definitely. You talk about these these fantastic connected experiences that folks can have to to take advantage of, as, as we mentioned towards the top, a lot of the, the positive emotion and buzz that, that comes, of course, with, with a winning season and a great team, but just comes with the joy of baseball overall. These experiences, these connected experiences, uh, allow us to to capture the the great emotions around fans of the Sox and yeah. uh, and and communicate the great experiences that they are having with the team. Now, inevitably, in sports, especially with Boston sports, emotions run high, and that that can be reflected in in fan content and behavior, which, while perhaps really positive of the Sox, might also display somewhat risky behavior from a business perspective. So, for for example, um, you have 
really, really uh, positive fans who could potentially display something which is rather polarizing. For instance, anything which, you know, is a fan like trashing another team in, you know, displaying behavior that's not like not befitting of your organization. It's not necessarily done with like integrity or honor or something like that. Now, it's showing fandom, but it's not necessarily uh, the the ideal, you know, fan that you want to see in the stands. How do you, from a content perspective, ensure that you are steering folks towards giving the the most positive uh, responses possible while also sort of protecting from any potential PR hiccup? Yeah, I mean, for us, what we we can only control what what we can control. And um, and, you know, there's it's inevitable. I mean, there are times where our fans are. You know, really pissed at us, um, or really disappointed, whether it's you know in the way we've been playing, or you know, and get frustrated. I mean, and and that like you know we know we can't we can't control. I mean, there's going to be wins and losses. We're going to have passionate fans. We're so lucky to have passionate fans. And we always say we'd much rather have fans that um, are emotionally connected, even though we know that there are going to be some some rough days along with that, than than apathy because apathy is really what what kills sports franchises and and, and sports fans so you know what we do is um you know again we try to to focus on what we can control we know there's a ton out there you know in the the social world um of you know a lot of things that are not necessarily reflective of what our our brand is all about um and you know we choose we try not to engage on the whole i mean if there's somebody that's critical of us but it's sort of in a in a way that's a little you know it's thoughtful and that we feel like we you know need some explanation that's like that's totally fair i mean we we get it we're not going to be perfect and we actually look a lot in terms of what other what fans are saying about you know about us or our experience and it, it does help shape um, some of what what we're doing, uh, and we want to make sure that people are heard. But again, I mean, if it goes into a point where it, it goes sort of beyond the spectrum that we're comfortable with, I mean, it's just we're not we're not going to engage in, in that way. Okay, I got it. So it's sort of the the admission that hey, people are going to be people, and as as a team, the best thing that we can do is to continue to to engage and respond with that content, which we believe to be in line with the principles that, that, that we uphold and, and just acknowledge that, you know, not everybody is always going to behave like that all the time. And so, you know, from a content perspective, that's sort of just one of the, you know, potential risks that you run. But I think that, you know, especially in sports, you have so many voices out there, which are so positive. I think that, that the reward can outrun that, but I I did want to get your perspective on that because of course, you know, uh, sometimes fan experiences do run a little bit over the top. And, uh, and I was curious as from a business perspective, how you potentially mitigate or, or maybe even drown that out. But, but I, I love that answer about how you try to stay thoughtful and even with critics, um, and try to engage in, in, in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we have from a mindset for us I and mean, we are not in the business of controlling fans. I mean, that's just not, you know, fans are, are fans. They should be, again, they're going to ride the highs and they're going to tell us when, when they're upset. And again, that we t- completely accept that um, and, and appreciate that. But, um, but what we're trying to do is produce an incredible experience at the ballpark and through social content and, and also have accountability to our fans, again, between the lines and, and in, in the digital channels as well. So, you know, we, we take it seriously. I mean, every year we're putting more and more work into um, expanding what we're providing to fans on, on, the, on the social and the content side to complement what they're seeing on, on the field. And we think that that's part of this sort of every 
ever-growing relationship and, and the importance of kind of where just where where sports have gone and just where where society has gone, frankly. Sure. So then let 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 me ask one of the the last questions here. I have I have one sort of business question and one fun question that actually comes comes from a friend of mine who is who is a Boston native and and a, and a Boston fan. The first is then, okay, so with all of that in mind, then what are some of your guiding principles as you, as you lead the helm there at uh, at the Sox of, of continuing to deliver content on the fans' terms? And I know that that is a, a, a central tenet that, that you live by. That's something that you've mentioned in the press before. But when thinking about... Um, when thinking about the the messaging and the content that you put out there, um, just what are some of the things, the the objectives, perhaps goals or standards that you practice when delivering content, as you mentioned before, on the fans' terms? You know, for us, I think part of it is, uh, I think there's an element. I mean, for, from a mar- when you when you work for the Red Sox, you're sort of on the marketing side. I mean, you're you're certainly you're, you're not quote unquote. Uh, traditional fan or a normal fan for a lot of the, you know, a lot of reasons, but I mean, we, we have to sort of maintain our, our fanaticism and, and be able to, you know, figure out, we, we can't lose touch with that. Um, and so I think there's, there's a lot of discussion and thought that we put in and a lot of debate about, you know, what we're going to be doing and whether that's our, our voice and sort of where we feel like we need to be, um, you know, as it relates to sort of the, the, the voice on, on, on Twitter, sort of what we're producing and content on some of the other platforms. Um, and I think that, so that, I think that's really important is that you sort of ne- we're never losing touch with, with fans in general. And then also, you know, sort of going back to what we're talking about, we're not controlling, um, we're not in the business of controlling our fans. We're in the, the the business of meeting fans where where they are. So again, I think if you looked at sort of what we've done and what we've tried to expand, um, again, it was at one point it was you know, a little bit here on Twitter and a little bit on Facebook, and now you know, I mean, through the the variety of platforms that we're on between Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, you know, what have you, it's all of those elements are are so critical, um, you know, to make sure that we're meeting fans where where they are. And that's again, it's not just on the content side, but even we, we've done a tremendous amount with with kids, um, and we've been having a particular focus on uh, on 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 kids and families and getting kids to games and you know looking at those channels. And we actually several years ago we had a group of um, mom blog uh, come in, and you know they're saying they they identify themselves as diehard fans, but I mean because their lives are so busy, they're not sitting down and watching watching innings one through nine. So we started a, um, a parent blog program, um, where, you know, we've got a, uh, uh, we've got bloggers that are, are sort of part of, part of the family and the same thing, you know, on, on the kid side that, you know, we're trying to get into, we just launched, a, uh, something called Wally's math Academy, which allows, um, teachers to use this uh, program as a tool that sort of based uh, provides worksheets, math worksheets based on the, the night, the games, uh, the night before. So, you know, you're using math, uh, and the Red Sox to get inside the classroom. You know, again, we know kids are there. That's where we want to be. They don't always have to come to Fenway park, but for us getting them to Fenway is sort of the pinnacle. Um, but we've got to get to them to get them here. And so that's sort of the mentality that we have across our, our marketing capabilities. Well, that's a, certainly a great message, and, and I do think that it is a, a pinnacle of any Boston fan's experience, if you're a Red Sox fan, to to get to Fenway. Again, the, the few times I've been there, it's been a, a really magical experience. And and I want to ask one uh, one last fun question that is that is related to it uh, to that experience in Fenway. 
Got a bunch of buddies up in Boston who are Red Sox fans, but they're getting awful jealous taking a look at the experiences down in Atlanta over in Baltimore. They're seeing they can get a beer for a couple bucks. Wondering what's going to happen when they can see that in Boston. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, again, Fenway is is unique, and, and we're proud of the experience that we have here. And, um, you know, again, it's uh, for me, I grew up in Cleveland and was uh, – yeah, you know, I actually grew up hating the Red Sox, but now, you know, to, to be able to, uh, you know, to be a part of this franchise and to see sort of what Fenway Park means to so many people. And, and as an MLB destination, whether you're from Baltimore, or Cleveland or wherever it may be, is is a, an incredible opportunity and privilege to, to be a part of. Well, then I guess they'll just have to look forward to that to that experience. And uh, and the magic of baseball is going to have to get them through the nine for now. We'll watch them through their series run and we hope the best for them. Adam Grossman, thanks so much for for joining us today. Thank you. Great to talk to you. Now that the World Series is officially over, a congratulations and a thanks are in order here. First, congratulations to the Boston Red Sox and their fans everywhere on your World Series win. And uh, down here in Baltimore, us Orioles fans will come for you next season. For now, a big thank you is owed to Adam Grossman, CMO of the Red Sox, for sitting down with us during that postseason run to chat. I certainly learned a ton. I hope you did too. And I also hope that we get more folks from the sporting world on this show. I think sports are one of the greatest areas to capture the emotion and the voice of the consumer, in this case the fan, to create compelling and authentic user-generated content. Combine that with the ability to be able to integrate that into your marketing strategy overall, and you have a winning combination, pun partially intended. And finally, a special thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in and hearing our message. If you have been listening to our podcast as part of the launch, then we'll be back with you in a few weeks to go over more great topics in the world of UGC and bring more thought leadership through interviews like the one you just heard. In the meantime, it would be a pleasure to connect, get your thoughts on these episodes in a number of ways. You can connect with Vivoom everywhere on social media, V-I-V-O-O-M. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash in slash Adam J. Connor. And if you liked what you heard, be sure to stay subscribed. Leave a rating and review, if you please, wherever you listen. We'd love to hear that feedback. More importantly, we'd love to hear your comments and overall questions, as we'll be answering them right here on the show. For now, I've been Adam Connor. This has been another episode of Authentic Influence, and we'll be back with you next time.